Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Awesome. It's good to be here with you guys again. As JD reminded me, it's been a few weeks. He said years, but (laughs) a few weeks. Since I've been here, and it is a pleasure, as always, to um, get to share what God has placed in our hearts. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would do what only He can do, which He would speak to your heart. Whatever I say or don't say doesn't really matter in the end of the day, as long as He gets through to you and says to you what you need to hear this morning. Um, This is part four of Ever Present, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to invite you to journey with me for a few minutes. And I want to ask you, start with by asking a question. Have you ever considered what is arguably the most significant aspect of the Spirit of God? Have you taken a minute to think about it? Have you identified um, or pursued that for your life? And I want to argue this morning that one of the most significant aspects of God's spirit is his holiness. See, holiness is the aspect of the spirit of God that above all else, we ought to pursue. Now, the Holy Spirit comes with gifts. And as J.D. preached last week, he comes um, with with, uh, many many things right with discernment the holy spirit brings about a bunch of things in our lives and his presence does a lot does a lot in our lives but the most significant i think is right there in the title right in fact he is known as the holy spirit not just spirit but the holy spirit it's in the title and the spirit of god is holy and that's significant and we ought not to forget because without holiness Without considering the fact that he is holy, we fall into the trap of acting religious but lacking in the fruitfulness of his presence. And all we want, all all of us want the fruitfulness of the Spirit. I mean, we've heard this before. I'm sure if you've been in church longer than two days, you have heard about Galatians 5. You have heard about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, we find this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? These are, and there's no law against these things. And I I mean, even speak to people who don't know about God, speak to people who have no relationship with God, they will still tell you they want what in their lives? Love, peace, patience, right? We all want that, whether you know God or not. But what we need to understand this morning is that the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit is a byproduct of a tree. We know this. We know that an orange tree does not produce apples. We know that a banana tree doesn't produce figs. We know that a tree produces fruit of its kind. And if you want to bear the fruit that is of the Holy Spirit, if you want to bear the fruit, love, patience, kindness, then you have to be grafted into the tree of holiness. You have to connect to the tree that produces that fruit. 
Now, let me clarify a few things about holiness this morning because the word holy immediately makes us feel overwhelmed in the least, right? In the minimum overwhelmed. In the max, it makes us feel condemned. We can think of a list of things that makes us not be holy or that keeps us from being holy. And it is, in fact, an impossible task if we think about it in our own uh, strength. If we think about holiness as something that we must do, then it is impossible. So being holy is not something that you do. It's not something you can do. And this is good news because that means we don't have to pretend. And that means we don't have to hide when we fall short. But Jesus teaches us that, we, that he is way more concerned with who we are than what we're pretending to be. He is concerned with our inner man and our inner woman. This is really important because people who act holy and aren't really, if it's not an overflow, there's people that just pretend to be holy, often they become like Pharisees. They become legalistic. They become judgmental. Have you ever encountered one of those people that like they are greater than everybody? They're, they're greater, they're, was it the best thing since sliced bread? right? You act, you end up acting in a certain way, and it becomes legalistic and judgmental, and it is not holy. If you read scriptures, you will quickly notice that Jesus was repulsed by hypocrites, by the Pharisees, by those that acted like something but really were not inside. So let's define holy for a minute. The word holiness has been complicated and has been misused, and it's Seldom used in church and never used outside of church. Holiness is to be consecrated, which is a big word to just say to be set apart. Set apart for what? Set apart for God's service. To be conformed in all things to the will of God, to the desire of God. Holiness is simply a willingness in our lives to reject our own selfish desires and to say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to be set apart for you, for God and only God, the one God who sent his son to die on the cross for me. It may not be easy. I mean, I'll be honest. It may not be the easiest thing you choose to do, which is to lay down your selfish desires and your own gains and what you want for your lives. It's not easy. But I will tell you this morning, it's not complicated. In fact, it's not even something you do. And I'll show you this in scriptures. In Exodus 31, 13, it says, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between you between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the Lord who makes you holy. See, this is the first time we see the name Jehovah M. Kadesh. Anybody say that? M. Kadesh? Jehovah M. Kadesh, which means the Lord who makes holy, the Lord who sets apart, the Lord who sanctifies you. Then we find this again in Scripture. The next time we hear Jehovah M. Kadesh is in Leviticus 28, uh, chapter 20, verse 8. That says, keep 
all my decrees by putting them into practice. For I am the Lord who makes you holy. So I need you to notice this morning that the common thing is the Lord makes you holy. It does not say you make yourself holy, which tells me one thing. You cannot be holy apart from God. You cannot be holy without God. The other thing it tells me is that holiness is not something you do. It is something you be. I know, bad English. Holiness is not something I do, but something I am. I am holy. For those of you that have been in church for a while, I'm sure you've seen it or you even wore it. Do you guys remember the WWJD bracelet? What does it mean? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? See, the idea is, you know, seems innocent enough, right? Let me ask, let me look at my bracelet and ask before I do something, what would Jesus do here? And it seems innocent enough, which is fine. It's not a bad thing to have it. But I'll tell you this. If a hungry lion sees a gazelle, does he stop to think, what should I do? He goes, right? He attacks. He's hungry. He's going for it. I don't walk around going, what would Alini do here? I just do what I do because I am me. The problem with this thought and this process is that when we go around saying, what would Jesus do? It means we are not behaving or being what Jesus was. We are not being holy. The, the, I, the, here's the deal. If you're kind, you don't have to pretend kindness when something comes up and try to act kind when somebody comes and hurts you. Your response is kindness, right? If you are patient and your kid's yelling at you, if you're genuinely patient and your kid's yelling at you, 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 you can just, it's okay, right? Because patience is already in here, in you. You don't have to pretend or you don't have to muster up all your energy to be able to stay the course when the course is already inside. Holiness is being, is being it's a state of being. Now, why? Why do I think holiness is important? But why is holiness important? Well, glad you asked. We find in scriptures that, whole, that the Holy Spirit is many things, right? He is many things. He is powerful. He is just. He is good. But consider for a moment with me. Power without holiness would generate cruelty. Justice without holiness would generate revenge. And goodness without holiness would then be subjective and maybe not even goodness at all because what's good to me might not be good to you, right? It is the holiness of God that makes goodness good. The fact that the Spirit of God is holy makes all the other things he is more magnificent. His holiness is the root from which we get love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. It is out of that holiness that the fruit even, that it even bears fruit, that fruit. Now, I want to ask you this morning, how about you? Is the fruit of your life love, patience, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, If your answer is, I need a better fruit this morning, allow me to get real with you for a moment because I haven't yet. I like to push a little bit, guys. How can you expect to find the fruit that only comes from a life with the Spirit of God when you're not grafted into the tree of holiness? How can you expect, I'm going to ask that again, to, for the fruit of your life to be love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, when you are not grafted or part of the tree that produces that fruit? The tree of bitterness cannot produce love. The tree of anger and unforgiveness and discord will never produce gentleness and patience and self-control. The tree of obsession for all the things that I need to have and all the things that I must will not produce peace and patience in your life. Friends, we cannot live in a world and act like the world and expect our symptoms to not be like the world. Look around. People are lost, they're sad, they're angry, they're full of anxiety, they're full of depression, they're fighting, they're blaming, they're pushing, they're shoving, they're doing all the things. And why? Because the fruit of, this, of a life lived for selfish ambition and selfish desires is what? Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The fruit is sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all the things like these. And I warn you, those, those people, such people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can you look around in the world? Is this what you see? Is this the fruit of what we see day in and day out? Sensuality everywhere, idolatry everywhere, strife everywhere, jealousy everywhere. That is because the world is grafted into the tree of selfishness. They are grafted into a self-satification and everything about me, 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 and me. And that's not the way of our God. He sent his spirit to live inside of us. And if we allow him to make residence inside us, then he will move us towards holiness. It is impossible for the Spirit of God to live inside of us in us not to be moving towards holiness. Because that is who he is. He is holy. The Holy Spirit invites us to a life set apart, sanctified, He desires to share that aspect of him with us. He says so in scriptures, 1 Peter 1, Be holy 
as I am holy. We don't have to walk around trying incredibly hard to be holy. We don't have to walk around pretending to be holy. We can live holy. Now, I'm going to tell you this. This is not a passive thing. Okay, I'm just going to stand here because Alini said I could be holy. <laughs> right? It's not a passive thing. It is very active. We don't make ourselves holy, but we do have the option of engaging in a life in which the Spirit of God then has room in our hearts and in our minds to make us holy. How does that happen? You go to seminary, you get good grades, and you're done. Just making sure you're awake. No, it's not how it happens. You don't go to seminary and you're holy. How it does happen is this. I'll give you three ways in which the Holy Spirit begins to work and we be, be, the work of holiness begins in our lives. Number one, you follow Jesus. You follow. You just don't, not just read about him and hear about him, you know, like, oh, yeah, that guy's over there. You follow Jesus. That means you read scriptures. You look at where he did. You, you meditate. You memorize. You fixate your eyes on Jesus. And you just pay attention to how he was, what he did, what he said, how he treated people. Not so that you can pretend it, but so that it can get inside of you. And it'll come out when you need it. So you focus your eyes entirely on Jesus. And if this is a new experience for you, being in church... Let me encourage you. The Bible has four books in which it was all about what Jesus did. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everything that Jesus did while he was in ministry, you can read about it. You can watch him and you can focus and go, How, why? How did he do this? Show me, God. Show me what he was doing and why he was doing. You follow Jesus. The second thing you do is you spend time with the Holy Spirit. You cannot bypass the weight of time spent in his presence. When you spend time with the Holy Spirit, and that means you sit, you focus your mind, you tune out everything else. You tune out the worries. You tune out everybody trying to talk to you. You tune out the kids. I know, guys, you do that better than us women. Um, you tune them out. You tune everything out. And you go, Holy Spirit, I just want to spend some time with you. You can do that in worship, put on music in worship. You can do that reading scriptures. You sit down and you meditate and you think. You can do that in silence. You can do that in nature. You can go for a walk. And you know what? Turn off the, the CD. The CD. How old am I? <laughs> Turn off the iPhone. <laughs> Turn off the music for a minute and just give your mind room. Give your mind room to focus and to listen because the Spirit of God whispers. He whispers at you. And then you all of a sudden go, where did that thought come from? It's the Spirit trying to speak to you. See, the Lord uses our physical aspects. He uses our mind. He uses nature. He uses body. He uses, you know, He uses these things, our emotions, to speak to us. But we have to quiet all the noise and just listen and get quiet for a minute to hear his voice. So spend time with the Spirit of God. The last thing, in order for you to become holy, is you have to respond. 
Respond when he speaks to you, when that inner voice, when that thought that feels like a little, you know, wind or a dart that just went by you, when that comes, respond. And I'll teach you how to test it. Because sometimes you go, is that just me? Or is that God speaking to me? Like, I don't really know. Test it by his word. If it agrees with his word, if it is kind, if it is loving, if it is pure, if it is building someone else up, if it is love, right? If you can test it against these measures of what the scripture says, then it is God speaking to you. Because why? Because all good things comes from God. Everything that is good is generated in the Lord. The devil cannot generate good. So if it's good, if it's blessing someone, if it's pleasing to the Lord, then do it. And the last, like, what if it wasn't the Lord? Then you you planted a good seed into the world. No harm, no foul. Right? So when those things come at you, when he asks you to do something, even if it's hard, he will ask you to forgive someone. I'm going to tell you right now, he will ask you to do hard things. He will ask you to forgive because unforgiveness will stop you from doing and becoming what the Lord has called you to do and become. He will ask you to let go. He will say, open up those hands. You're holding on way too tight to that thing. He will ask you to surrender. You're trying to lead life on your own, but I have something better for you. You're trying to do things your way, but your way is not going to lead you where you need to be. You're going in the wrong direction. He's going to ask you to surrender. He will ask you to give up relationships, okay? And it might be hard, but you know what? If that person doesn't belong there, you're better letting go now. He will ask you to start relationships. You know, my daughter asked me the other day. I'm going to give you guys the side context because my life is so fun. Um, so I was talking to my 12-year-old. And we got, if you, you guys know, J.D. and I got married really early, uh, young in life. He was 19 and I was 20. Yes, I robbed the cradle. Um, only four months difference, guys. Um, but I got married right in between. What was I thinking? Anyway, so we got married really young. And Maya was asking me, he's like, Mom, how, how did you know? Weren't you guys, like, super young? How did you, like, you know, how did you make that decision? Because if I were to make that decision at 19, you'd probably kill me. Like, yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what, Maya? Before we even started dating, before anything, before ever kissing, before holding hands, before anything, We prayed for eight months. We sought the Lord for eight months on our knees going, God, if this is not the person, take it. Take it away. If he's not it, if she's not it, take him. We don't want it. And then we went to everybody we knew and we asked for their counsel. Everybody that we trusted. Everybody that could speak into our lives that we knew that their marriage was an example. That we knew that they had had our best interest at heart. We talked to them like, what do you think? What do you see? Because you know what? When you're having feelings and you're in it and you just, la, 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 bird went by, right? Like you don't really have the fortitude to see. You don't have the, the, the sight. You're just mixed up in emotions. That's all you feel is a bunch of gooey stuff, right? So we asked everybody, like, tell us what you see. Do you think this, this makes sense? Does it look right? Is he, does he fit who I am? Do I fit who she is, Right? We tested everything. We placed it before the Lord, everything. And that's why it worked. So when the Lord gives you a direction, either start a relationship, don't start a relationship, do this or do that, whatever it is, you can test it as well. 
You can test it via his word. Does it line up with his word? And then you can ask for counsel. If you are getting a directive from the Lord and you don't understand it, you don't know if it makes any sense, you don't, under, you don't know if it's just you, test it. Ask God to confirm it. Talk to somebody who has spiritual maturity. Test it. And then respond. Because as you respond to the Holy Spirit, he will make you holy. He will make you more like him. The way you respond to the Holy Spirit will directly affect the process of setting you apart and making you holy. And as you're being sanctified and made holy, you will begin to notice in your life that all of a sudden, the fruit of who you are becoming is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Because the Spirit of God is not something we can buy. It's not something we can possess. It's not something we can microwave. But he, we have to be grafted and planted, right, into the tree of holiness. And then everything that the Spirit of God offers is then made available to us as well. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.